0: Hi, I'm Ian, co founder at Dig Insights and president of Dig's innovation insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation.
1: Welcome back to this week's Dig In episode. I'm so excited we're doing another Founder Spotlight. Today I'm talking to Annie. She is the founder and CEO of The Unscented Company. Um, She founded it 10 years ago with one purpose. She wanted to reduce single use, uh, sorry, single use packaging and plastic. Um, And a decade later, they were just named one of Canada's fastest growing companies for the second year in a row, which is Very, very cool. Um, Today, we're going to chat all things The Unscented Company and all things Annie. Annie, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Oh, well, thank you for having me, Megan.
1: (laughs) Of course. I'm so pumped to get into this. So for anyone who doesn't know what The Unscented Company is, can you tell us a little bit about the business um, and sort of what you guys offer?
0: Well, as you said, I started that business because I wanted to redefine the notion of clean by offering a complete line of products that would be natural, obviously efficient, uh, exclusively unscented. And that would be um, designed to to have a better sustainable lifestyle. Because everything I manufacture, we offer it in bulk or plastic-free solution. Because ultimately, Megan, I'm a soap company. And by definition, a soap company is part of an industry that creates one of the worst environmental disaster, the single-use plastic packaging. So I could not in my right mind, start a business and not be part of the solution. So today we are selling a line of cleaning products, body care products um, that is definitely designed to reduce our collective plastic footprint.
1: Excuse me, that's, um, that's really cool. I mean, I, I know when we initially chatted, I asked you, you know, the singular mission is so amazing. And you're seeing so many entrepreneurial businesses these days come out with um, almost like mission first or uh, sustainability first. And I would kind of asked you, you know, why soap? Like, why Why did you roll with soap as, as a way of attacking the problem? Can you speak to that a little bit?
0: Absolutely. You know what? That was the first question I think everyone, including my parents, asked me, Annie, soap? Really? And (laughs) the first thing they would say, you can do better than this. And I'm thinking, actually, no, because first of all, uh, for your information, I am intolerant, intolerant to fragrances. So since the age of 13 years old, I've been doing my own little formulas um, in my house because there was very little option for me that was fragrance-free. So when I decided to launch um, the Unscented Company and a soap business, and everyone had the resistance or a very, very um, loud voice saying, "Okay, Annie, you can do better than this, or it's not sexy, or why don't you do a uh, an Apple app?" All of that seemed to be much better. But for me, soap uh, is a product that you use daily. So I could have a true impact on the products we're using to be more uh, to be healthier. Uh, to be more biodegradable, um, and also I could design the packaging to actually <laughs> reduce the, lev- the, the, the level of plastic in it. So for me, it was a true industry that I could make a difference, and that I that I could actually uh, change the standards because we would. Uh, develop new style products we would do innovation in a very very conventional industry so I think soap is the it's the perfect industry for me
1: I love that um I I also loved hearing in a conversation we had that you kind of said flippantly you were like I don't really care what Unilever is doing or I don't care not specifically Unilever but like you know insert big, you know, a consumer packaged goods brand here, you know, that doesn't really matter to me in terms of what I'm doing uh, mm-hmm. within my own business. Why, why does that not matter to you?
0: Oh, you know, what if I would have looked at Unilever or Procter and Gamble or any of those uh, big group, I would have never never started a business in the soap industry. Uh, they're well established they own the market share um, but because they've not innovate uh, the past 50 years, I decided to just focus on my grassroots community and and grow with my with my community and and see where that would lead me. And you know what? Uh, those big companies are not that agile. They cannot turn around quickly. And we need these businesses that are putting products out there that are better for the environment. So even if I'm a niche market, because I am unscented, because I am a natural products, uh, and I am also refillable, all that together you know what? I My offer can very well differentiate from anything on the market right now. And I'm not trying to to add fragrances to compete against uh, spring uh, scent of uh, Tide or any other big brands out there because I can't compete with them. There's no way um I can go on the shelf beside them and, and compete. So I'm not trying. I'm just trying to stay focused on my mission, stay focused on my community, grow with my community. And guess what? It has wonderful ripple effects. And that's why we're growing and are distributed in more than 5,000 places in Canada and the U.S. right now. That yeah,
1: seems to be working. <laughs> So (laughs) well done on that. Um, As we're talking, I'm realizing, you know, I'd love to just get a sense or make sure the listeners get a sense of what your best sellers are. So tell me a little bit about like, exactly what it is you're selling in terms of it's soap. I mean, there's soap can mean so many different things.
0: Absolutely. And it's so easy because what I did is I looked in my kitchen, I looked in my bathroom and I looked in my laundry room. Those are the three plays I want to be with my products. So from dish soap, dish washer tabs, um, all purpose cleaner. And after that, if you go to the laundry, you've got dryer balls, For your dryer, you've got laundry detergents, stain remover. And if you go in your bathroom, well, I cover from hand soap, lotion, shampoo, conditioner. So pretty much, and only unscented, so pretty much one uh, product in each category. So I don't, since I don't have fragrances, I don't decline each of my products in five different fragrances. So it really for me makes sense uh to be everywhere in the house because i have only one product
1: and it's also really interesting it's really interesting to consider that because from an innovation perspective it's not as if you're innovating for di- like within different flavor profile, not flavor. Sorry. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No,
0: I understand. Uh, send like, send
1: profiles, right. Um, mm-hmm. It's right there in the name. You're an unscented company. So what does that mean when you, when you think about where the product can go or different lines can go?
0: And for me, it is the most uh, important question. Every time I put a product out or I design a product or I will think of my mission first so since it is to be part of the movement to reduce single-use plastic packaging I think I'm much better to um, to innovate on bulk refill station bulk to go so refill station at home in store or even right now I'm more Um, innovating in different solid solution, meaning shampoo bars, conditioner bars, obviously soap bars. It's not innovation, but we need to come back to soap bars um, that is so much easier and have zero plastic packaging. Um, We have laundry tabs, we have dishwasher tabs, all of those Products are now plastic-free, much easier um, to use, uh, and much easier to um, to store or to to uh, to transport. So it's a win-win situation everywhere. So I think of all those um, all of that those aspects before I design a new product
1: yeah I mean it's it's really cool to hear that not only are you making a sustainable or an eco-friendly decision as a consumer when you're purchasing from your company but actually you know what you're highlighting is that you're not giving anything up um, mm-hmm. which is which is great I guess the one thing that you are giving up is the scent aspect um, mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about why that transition might be challenging within the soap market so this idea of nothing having a scent like what are some of the myths associated with scent in this category
0: well megan at the beginning when i went to see customers that had retail retailers or i went to see customers uh any b2b customer basically they would say, oh, natural products, Annie, eco-friendly. Sorry, I I don't think it works and it's way too expensive. So that was the first thing I had to convince people that we needed to go with products that didn't have phosphate or paraben or formaldehyde. So that was the first thing 10 years ago. After that, being unscented. Well, that's another big challenge, as you put it, because if it doesn't smell lemon or lavender, It is not clean. So we've been brainwashed for 50 years that the scent is the performance of the product, which is nothing close to the truth. And after that, I am asking everyone, why don't you reuse your bottle once or twice and refill it? So at least we don't send uh, plastic packaging to the landfills for nothing. So right there, I had three major challenges right at the beginning. And I could, every single day, I have people asking me to add fragrances to my products. And you know what? I, well, not anymore, but at the beginning. But I decided to stay true to myself um, because bottom line, my grassroots community wants to be eco-friendly, wants to be zero-waste lifestyle, um, might have certain allergies, certain like asthma, um, are sensitive, or is a man living alone in their apartment that don't necessarily wants to smell um, lavender all day, or a recent mother that just gave birth, that doesn't want to wear too much perfume on her clothing because of the newborn. There's enough for me of a market to have a very nice business. So I am not trying to go at the mass. If someone, uh, uh, do you say that in English? Maybe you don't, but to the mass consumption. Yeah. So I'm not you. looking at that uh, as the only way to grow my business, but focusing and staying true to my mission.
1: Yeah. I mean, that leads really nicely on, I want to come back to this grassroots community because Mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting to think about, you know, who who makes up that community and how you've nurtured it over the last decade. Um, Mm -hmm. But let's touch on the mission. So the singular mission. Um, We talked about how that relates to soap um, Mm -hmm. and I, and I totally get that, but what's made having, what is it about having a singular mission that's made building a business easy? And then on the other side of the coin, how has it made it challenging for you?
0: Well, I think um, for any businesses uh, 10 years ago that would put in the same phrase being sustainable and being profitable, we were seen as completely uh, unrealistic we could not say the word eco-friendly and profit in the same presentation. We were seen as a nonprofit or an organization to do good. Uh, so it was challenging at the beginning to have or manage a purpose-driven business. But, To come back, I was 42, 43 years old when I started the business, I had two young toddlers. Um, So it was not even a question for me to start a business without uh, my values of, of growing a business that would actually have a positive impact and that would think of other things than profit, that I could definitely include the community and I could include the environment. So since it's part of my DNA and it's part of my business model and part of my, how do you say, like the first day I decided to start the business, it's from there. My community respected that. They respected the fact that I was authentic by doing it. I was not using it as a marketing stunt and I was not using the word sustainability Because at some point, it becomes some greenwashing. So that's why I grew and the community believed in the business. And today, after seeing Greta walk in every big cities in the world, and after hearing about climate change on the news and plastic ocean, the business or my business has has gained from that because... More and more people want to buy from companies that they have their best interests at heart and they have the planet best interests at heart. They want to contribute. They want to buy from a company that has a positive impact and that creates value. So we've seen the past 10 years a shift in a more responsible consumption. Does that make sense? And I'm benefiting I I'm, I'm really um, I'm really benefiting from that new way of uh, of buying
1: yeah that totally makes sense so I'm hearing that essentially it's gotten easier over the years as opposed yes. to harder um, absolutely so what about it was it was it hard to get the business off the ground in the beginning because the idea of um, you know, it being profitable and also eco-friendly mm-hmm. or like eco-conscious was that just those two things didn't go together? Is that why it was
0: it was challenging? It was challenging because to get some money, the bankers and all the investors are not there yet. They weren't there yet. Uh, Ten years ago, um, they they just couldn't put their money into a business that didn't focus sullenly on the profit. And, and I would be very up and open with them saying, yes, profit is important. Yes, we need to do to make money, but not to the detriment of our community and environment. I think we can. And and they just didn't believe me. Therefore, I didn't get any support, financial support from any of the large Canadian banks. And at some point I decided to go get my B Corp certification, which maybe we'll talk a bit later, but um, is definitely a certification that will certify my business on making sure profit is important, but the consideration of socially and environmentally. Issues are as important. So, by having that certification, by becoming a certified woman owned business, they saw the investment, the investors and bankers, my true commitment. And also, as the consumers have evolved the past 10 years, investors have evolved also. They do want to have part of their portfolio now invested in businesses that create positive impact. Same reason as the consumers. They, so and, and they have pressure to invest in women-owned companies, and they have pressure to invest in B Corp certified business. So here in Canada, we're very lucky because we have the BDC, who is a B Corp certified bank. So they were the first one uh, since I was B Corp to uh, help me out by lending me a bit of money to get me off, uh, off the ground. And, and they gave me wings to fly and build the business. So I'm very, very happy that they are part of my uh, investors group today. Amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. no,
1: that's really good to know. And actually really, it does make sense, right? The, as consumers kind of grew up and realized how important this was, um, investors are people as well at the end of the day yeah. and they yeah. they realized it. I wanted to go back to, you mentioned you and I've been using it actually throughout this conversation. You, you don't like the word sustainability. Um, and is that because it's basically, it connotes kind of greenwashing?
0: But I, I wish I, you know what? I do like this, the word sustainability, but I think we are overusing it because ultimately- uh, I'm not all sustainable today I'm still putting plastic bottles on the uh, on the market I'm still selling my products to any consumers that wants to buy it in the in America so I'm shipping dish soap in a box in California so so we are not doing everything perfectly and and it's tough because now everyone is using it to, to give themselves a good conscience. And I was reading this morning in any any newspaper, we've got shell now. When you're at the pump, you can pump your gas and at the same time buy some neutral carbon credits. And and they 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 use the word. They're being sustainable, and it just makes me think. Oh no, no, we're not supposed to go there. <laughs> this is not right. And so I'm trying to see how will I pivot um, our true mission. And without saying that we're doing everything perfectly, uh, we're not. And but every we're trying to do everything every day that makes more sense.
1: Yeah. And I think as people, it's hard, right? Because your mission is still such a sound one. And it's it's amazing what you've been able to do with your business, you know, with that at your at its core. Mm-hmm. Um, but understandably, as we learn more about what we need to do to protect the environment, sustainability kind of shifts, right? It continues to, to mean something different. And I really appreciate that that outlook on you know using the the word kind of willy-nilly and and it not in the end of the day kind of not meaning anything at all anymore
0: so exactly wow what a what a downer sorry (laughs) (laughs) no oh no certainly you know what it's like everyone that tells me oh i'm gonna stop recycling it doesn't do any good half of it goes to the landfill But no, we still need to continue doing these efforts because collectively it has a meaning at the end. And if we stop, then we're back to square one. I'd rather do something 50%, 30%, but moving up. And one little um, I would say statistic or KPI, I would, I would really call it KPI because it's something I look at on a yearly basis is the number of local suppliers uh, within 500 kilometers of my um, head office, which is here, Montreal, Quebec, and I'm up to 84.7%. Uh, and out of those 84.7% local businesses, Twelve percent are women-owned business, and and we want to grow um, these uh, numbers. So for me, being sustainable is all about that. Also, say so it has to do by making sure locally you're invested, and so we're trying to do things differently.
1: Amazing. Um, okay. I could probably talk. I think we could talk about um, sustainability all day. It's such yeah. an interesting, thing. it's such an interesting topic. But I'm gonna switch a little bit back to. I want to talk about the grassroots community uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned, and then a couple of other um, research focused things, and uh, want to talk about direct to consumer as well. So with grassroots. Uh, with the grassroots community, how did you, how did you build that? Was it on Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, just existing customers, an email list? Talk to me about how that, that community has continued to grow over the last decade.
0: So we really um, grew our community with social media. So from Instagram, I would say more uh, through the image and Facebook, a little bit more content. Um that's pretty much how we did it. Uh, and mostly we didn't have like those uh, influencers that we, we paid <clears throat> to talk about our products. Uh, we were more into sending out packages to more micro ambassadors. So everyone that had between 5,000 followers to 10,000 followers, We would send package and let them talk about us if ever they wanted and in any way they wanted say good or bad. We welcome every uh, feedback. So we started very small like this and trying to do it also very locally and the day uh, we had Gwyneth Paltrow coming to Montreal and she really really liked the brand she met with us and um, she got the products on goop.com back in 2018 I would say early early 2019. Um, then the that community also grew with more of a sustainable feel and design field and so I got a lot of uh, attention and awareness through that and then I could I grew my community a little bit more and that's it now we, we really we have three major ways to talk to a customer which is Facebook, Instagram and newsletter and that's it. I don't invest in any of those conventional marketing approach, uh, TV, radio, newspaper, um, or mobile ads or whatever. So I do it very, very much uh, organically. Uh, I don't grow very fast because the algorithms keep changing every year. So it's tough. But, um, but I'd rather grow organically. I don't buy any likes um, on the, on the market, um, because then you're not talking to your true community. So I've refused to do that. These sort of things right at the beginning and in believe in it. So I'm just, I'm just growing slowly, but solidly. Yeah. Also, I'm so jealous. You met Gwyneth Paltrow. I did not,
1: <laughs> did not know that. Um, let's I'm gonna follow up with that later. That's so cool. <laughs> uh goop is <laughs> goop is amazing and it, and it makes sense that it would have kind of boosted your exposure i mean you've got you've got uh over twenty thousand followers on mm-hmm. on your instagram so it's not not um like a small amount of people and it's amazing that that's largely through well it's completely through um
0: yes yes growth. please 100 through uh through organically very cool, but and- it's not growing anymore. It's not growing much as much as it used to. There was a time when we could see the say going from five thousand to eight thousand quickly. Now you've no. gotta work for it it's It's difficult, but it's true likes
1: It's a crowded space. So what do it you is. guys do in order to to try and stand out? Do you run any like competitions or do you invest in photography like yes.
0: Yes, you're absolutely right. We invest in photography and we invest in collaboration. I think brands don't need to stay in their own industry. We can really align and collaborate with any industry, any of your friends, any of your Uh, brands that you love. And then we kind of, of go on each other's community. Uh, So from through contests and uh, through uh, collaboration, and now we've included um, true paid, actually ambassadors. So we decided to go into the law, instead of having influencers, uh, with one post, here and there we've decided to invest in some athletes that in the long run so and in exchange they uh they do some posts they may be i don't know five or ten posts a year but at least we are contributing uh into an ambassador's uh athlete uh, how do you say that sport career
1: yeah. Yeah. Their sports career. That, that That's it. Sense. Is that how
0: you say it? Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, okay. So that hasn't happened yet, but that will hopefully. No,
0: we've actually signed our first or two. We've signed two yet so oh, far. cool. Yes. Um.
1: And so what, you know, you're focused on Instagram. I'm really mm-hmm. fostering the growth there. Are, yes. Do you, do you yourself go and like look through comments and try and get a sense of how people are reacting to new product launches or, or, um, or, you know, your newsletter, um, for instance, or do you have a team that kind of does that and, and bubbles up the, the findings to you?
0: Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I see every, I have my notification on my phone. So I see every, story that mentions us. I see every DM. Um I don't reply to everything Megan and sometimes my marketing team definitely wants me to keep out of there because I get excited and I reply right away. And, and we have a strategy. So I want to keep in line with our strategy that we've put together, because I'm the type of person who says yes to everyone, I can't say no. And at some point, we have to say no, because it's not part of our strategy. Uh, But yes, I see everything. And I think at the beginning, I was more pushing products to the market. I had an idea, I would put it on the market, and hopefully, my goal was to 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 insist consumers to adopt more sustainable uh, lives a more sustainable lifestyle. And now, today, by reading those uh, direct messages from from Instagram or Facebook or whoever, wherever, even LinkedIn, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, they've helped me quite a bit identifying the next product launch. Um, so, so I'm listening to them. Um, I'm listening also to the comments. Obviously, we've adjusted by someone who writes bad reviews. Or uh, I remember lately, not long ago, we had a girl who wrote us a direct message. So very nice. Didn't put it publicly, but said, you know what, guys, I'm not impressed. Um, you have put on your shampoo bottle for normal hair. And she says, I don't, I don't know what is normal hair. Is for me normal hair? And you know what? She was absolutely right. And so we called her up and we said, you know what? Do you want to be part of our focus group? And, and we will do differently. And the, the answer was right in front of us. It was for all type hair, but we were too close to the forest and we didn't see that and and we changed right away our labels and changed everything on it because she was absolutely right so we take uh we take every comments uh we cannot do everything some people don't like some of our ingredients um I cannot change that overnight but I definitely put it put it on my to-do list yeah
1: to so it. I guess yeah so I guess like the fact that you're so close to your Instagram, well, yes, you might not be responding to every comment that makes complete sense. (laughs) Of course, your marketing team wants to do that. Um, but the fact that, you know, you're looking at it and you're, you're kind of invested in understanding how people feel, it means you can be reactive in a good way. Um, you can quickly figure out what your next move should be, or if you've made an error. So, um, that, that totally makes sense. So switching gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about I guess it's kind of related to to social if you're leveraging um, like social shopping in any way, but direct to consumer is such a hot topic. I know that direct to consumer makes up a portion of the way that you sell to customers. Can you talk to me about how you approach using um, D2C?
0: DTC is definitely part of my business strategy uh, because I want to be able to have a direct contact with them and I want to have their their, uh, feedbacks. And so for us, um, having part of my business, which represents today 20%, I have to tell you, honestly, last year it was, or two years ago, it was only 8% of my business. But with uh, the pandemic, the past year and a half, People have truly increased, which in every industry, their online purchase, which uh, we kind of also was in the same. um, Well, actually, probably soap was definitely part of the new essential products. So we kind of increased uh, 500% our business uh, online and, and became a more... Uh, direct-to-consumer brand. So for me, it is absolutely a necessity. Uh, where do I want to bring it? Probably around 35, maximum 35, 40%. Uh, we do have also are very present in any sort of online platform uh, that we have throughout Canada, a well.ca or a lowbloss.ca, sobeys.ca. So we are online, uh, in in different places in Canada, and we are also going through big retailers from Bulk Barn to Canadian Tires, uh, uh, in store with um, with uh, SoBe, so and pharmacies. So we kind of have both. Um, you know what? I think again, I want to keep both strategy because my um, retailers are also important for the health of a local businesses, a health of a neighborhood, um, and to be able to um, to sell uh, to the consumers or that are walking, uh, walking their neighborhood. So if I go 100% uh, online, then I think we would miss out on that opportunity. And with my concept, I'm selling refill station in store, I want people to go and stay in their neighborhood to go refill their bottles. So, uh, and I like my neighborhood with all those shops. So we have to support them and we have to be able to sell to them. So uh, I, it, I, it was a struggle. I kind of at some point when I saw the the nice way of doing business online and my direct to consumers and the feedback, and I just love it. And it is an easier business to manage, um, but I do believe I need to support my eco local ecosystem.
1: Yeah, I think that's really nice, and it goes back to you guys—you just creating a business, you know, from the ground up that's really driven by purpose. Um, Annie, this has been such a pleasure. I'm just going to finish with one question. You know, what's next for the Unsended company?
0: Oh my god. So much, uh, definitely. Right now, I'm in a process of putting new products, innovation on the market for 2022 and 2023. And I want to be able to offer my brand uh, throughout the United States and Canada. Uh, because by doing that, we are seeing our competitors doing the same thing as us. So for me, it's the biggest uh, gratitude I can get because we are changing the industry standards. People are doing it like us because they believe we're doing it right. And for for that, I wake up every morning, I go to work with butterflies in my stomach. And so I, I want to have that, that kind of contagious movement throughout the United States and Canada. So that's next for me.
1: Just a small... <laughs> Small Small little thing I wake up every morning. (laughs) Where can people find the unscented company if they want to check out your products?
0: Well, definitely. First thing, maybe to get a sense of our values and brand um, attributes would definitely be on our website. Uh, And after that, uh, look out for any natural stores around your neighborhood. We definitely must be there. And, And if not, Ask them to bring in the unscented company. Love it. Thank you so much, Annie. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Megan, for having me. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.